So this year, as we go to creation, we go with great expectancy, right? And, and we have all these things that we know the Lord wants to do. But then the enemy wants to do just the opposite. Right? He wants to do just the opposite. He is angry when we say yes to the Lord. He is angry when we give him our heart. See, he would prefer... He's okay with Christians, by the way. Satan is okay with Christians. Because a Christian that is not effective, a Christian that is not usable, is actually helpful to him. What he doesn't like, what he can't stand, is a Christian that says, yes, period. Yes, Lord, whatever you want, period. And I'm willing to step in that, whatever you want. I'm willing to look foolish, if that's the cost. Why? Because this world looks at Christians as foolish. It looks as relationship with God is a crutch, right? There's a cost to that. This year at creation, what God wants to do, Satan is coming against. You know, just this morning, uh, we got this new trailer, drove all the way down, picked it up, had trouble with the truck on the way back, right? And then... Uh, um, thought we got it fixed. <laughs> it sure seemed to be fixed because then I drove the trailer probably close to a hundred miles towing it with the truck and everything was great. Everything was great. We load up the trailer yesterday. We drive it I, literally a 15 minute drive over here and she's blowing coolant everywhere. Same thing it did on the way back up. Actually worse. Now, the only thing I could say is Michael did fix it. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. If you don't think things that are in your life that come out of the blue to come against what God is trying to do in your life, you are kidding yourself. You're kidding yourself if you don't believe Satan will step in. Well, little me, why would he care about little me? Because you have a book that God wrote about your life before you were ever born that He has plans for your life. He has plans to use you in a way that can reach people that nobody else can reach. But see, if you don't say yes, or if Satan can step in and discourage you from that yes, then he's won. Even if you lost your soul. Even if you're going to heaven, he's won because he's won the very influence that he and that God intends to have from your life on other people. That's what he's trying to do against creation. You know, I think of Carson, who can't be here this morning because he's in such tremendous pain that has ramped up over the last three weeks. Why do you think that is? Because that's the last place Satan wants him to be. It's the last place. 
But Father, I declare in your court this morning that it will happen. That we will not bow to the attempts that Satan has to come against what you have for creation. Father, we understand there is a cost. And we have been willing and we are willing to pay that cost. I declare that in your courts. We trust you and you only. I want to have Jeff come up and pray over creation right now. Holy Spirit, I ask that you, that your presence just fall right now on every one of us here. Yes. Jesus, you asked me to pray this morning and text Greg and ask him to pray over this, this event coming up. And Holy Spirit, you put on my heart to just allow you to pray through me to the Father. So I pray that your words be spoken through my lips to the Father at this moment and nothing else. Father, we come to you in full surrender, full transparency. We need you, but you're already here. We believe every one of those worship songs that we just sang. Yes. We're no longer slaves. We're completely victorious in you. Jesus, if you were sitting here in person, in flesh, on the front row of this of this church today, and I know you're here, but if you were here in flesh and we were looking at you, I do not believe one person in this room would be concerned about a truck, finances, work, health, relationships, heaviness. Jesus, help us to see you like that. You are here. You're not only sitting on the road, you're in us. You're in every aspect of us. Lord, we have no fear. We have no doubt. And we just ask for your strength, which you've already promised. So we grab onto that strength. (coughs) Father, I come to you with specifics this morning. There are so many of us that it's going to that that are that it's not easy to get to creation and i speak on behalf of my son too god there is nothing that has changed in the last 3 weeks with his medication yes. with his food with anything and he was doing better than he has ever been doing and we get nearer and nearer and nearer to creation and everything just gets harder and it's because Darkness does not want us there. There's too much light. There's way too much light at creation. And so I pray in Jesus' name against all forces of darkness. I pray against all demonic spirits with and without authority. I pray against them in Jesus' name. Let the blood that flowed from Calvary's cross wash all of that away. I pray that you'd open the gates to creation for those that are struggling to get there. I pray that 
there would be this calm and this rest and this peace and this light flowing in that actually makes the way to get there clearer. You've put specifically on my heart, God, about the truck. We need the truck. We need the truck to pull the trailer. We need all the supplies. Satan knows that. I speak against that specifically in Jesus' name. Michael and Greg are going to look at that truck after service. And God, I pray that you would reveal to them the leak, the coolant leak, whatever is causing it. And for some reason you've put on my mind, let it be a $5 part. Lord, let it be a tube, let it be a clamp, let it be anything. And I, I just pray that you would reveal it to them. God, you could put a brand new engine in there with zero miles on it as I'm speaking right here. So whatever you want to do, we just ask that you do whatever you want to do to get that truck running. God, it not only has to has to get there, but it has to climb some pretty substantial hills. So I pray that you would just lay your hand on that crazy diesel engine and do something supernatural. God, and I pray that it not only just be fixed for this this trip back and forth, God, but that it would be something that Greg wouldn't even have to think about. Yes, and the life of this truck would be longer than any truck's ever lasted. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, I ask that you lay your hand on all of those bodies that are fighting against going to creation, whether it be a health issue, financial issues, work <coughs> schedules, anything. I speak specifically to those encumbrances that are trying to keep people from going, and I pray that you'd wipe them all away. I pray that you level it out just like a newly paved road. Let it roll easy. Let there be no bumps, no crevices, no holes, nothing to keep them from there. I pray that the 56, 57 people that go from ignition would be such a light in the darkness yes. up there that it would be unprecedented. Not because we're there and it's about us, but it would be unprecedented the acts and the works and the power that comes from your hand through us. Yes. Onto that mountain and that field and that stage. Yes. Holy Spirit, I trust your power. I believe in your power. Let it be seen if you've never seen it before, God. Yes. Lord Jesus, I pray that that prayers like, Lord Jesus, please fix that truck, that they become so common and so normal that it astounds those that that's not their normal. I pray that, uh, that these stories and the testimonies, God, would ring to those that are still still grasping at believing, still grasping at, at, uh, at holding on to you because maybe they feel that you've disappointed them previously, previously in their life, God. And we know it wasn't you. You're nothing but pure love. We just sang about perfect love. Yes. Perfect love casts all fear. Fear, God, has unbelievable power. When you look at it naturally, yes. it can absolutely, it can absolutely keep people from talking, keep people from moving. It can completely immobilize them. Perfect love casts out that fear. Perfect love, and Lord, the crazy thing is, is you've asked that perfect love to come through us. Like you could do it straight out. You could touch everybody that needs that, but you go, oh no, I, I want, I want you to do that, Jim. I want you to do that, Jim, Corey. See that guy over there? My perfect love through you to him. Yes. I do not understand that, Lord, but I am so amazed by it and so humbled by the opportunity for your love to come through us. Lord, the devil wants to stop that. 
He wants to stop it at the gas stations on the way to creation. He wants to stop it anywhere he can because it pervades the world and it will change the world. It will absolutely change the world. So I speak it, God. I trust you. I trust your power. I trust you for my son getting up there. I trust you for everything you're about to do in the next 48 hours. Yes, God. I'm excited, God, to hear about the truck because you're in and through it. Yes. So I pray, God, that all of that stress, hate the word, all that stress that came out this morning that revealed its ugly head, that you just stomp it down. Yes. Let it have no power, God. And I speak against any authority that's not of you, Lord, that's in this room right now. I command you in the name of Jesus, muted, blinded, unable to speak, unable to hear. I speak confusion over you in Jesus' name. Yes. You have no authority, no power over my heavenly dad. That's right. So stop. Holy Spirit, blanket this room with your love, your presence, and your power. Yes. We're eager to hear what you have to say this morning. I don't know about you, but I get excited when things begin to mount up, when the enemy comes against, and I know that you're in pain, you're in pain. Father, I pray over Beth right now in Jesus' name, over her back in Jesus' name. I pray a complete healing right now to manifest in Jesus' name. Bring her comfort. Bring her your grace. Father, she is a warrior for you. We thank you for her. We come as witnesses for her and witnesses against the thief who would steal. I ask, Father, that that's... That which was stolen be repaid sevenfold. Father, I want to point out nothing that you don't know already, but point out as evidence her obedience, her desire, her love for you, her passion for you. Bring a healing to her spine right now. Bring a comfort to every nerve ending in her spine right now. We worship you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. You know, we just finished this 40-day fast, and, you know, it's, it's, it's normal to talk about the end, but then we talked on Tuesday that this is really the beginning. This is the beginning of something very special. It's when you step in obedience... It's always the beginning. See, it, it doesn't help to step in obedience only at the very end. Because then he cannot do anything to help. Right? When it's over. We step in obedience at the beginning. It, begin, it begins a walk with him that we then can be taken wherever he wants us to go. Taken with joy 
taken with peace, knowing full well that we are on a battlefield. And I, I, I don't know how he wants to work it in, but I know that whether it's today or over the next few weeks, he wants to talk about the courts. He wants you to understand the courts. But this week, as we go into creation, our theme is what I put up here, all in. Mark 12, 30 and 31 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. The two greatest commandments and all the commandments wrapped into those two. So to be all in, you have to be all in in those two. We just came off a 40-day fast. Are you all in? Or maybe you went through the fast expecting something to happen and it didn't. Or perhaps you thought it didn't. Perhaps you felt like you maintained or you even fell back a bit. I want to read something to you. I find it interesting that Lana has been very silent for this 40-day fast. What's up with that? Right? Lana is is somebody who, uh, uh, from Australia, who has spoken into ignition. I mean, I'm sure she speaks for other people too. But it's everything she speaks of is ignition. Well, this morning she came out with one, and it's been weeks since her last one, but I want to read this one to you. Curious, anybody read this yet? One person. One person read it? Well... I'm a person too, so two. Okay, I want this to speak to your spirit. If you went through those 40 days wondering what happened, I was faithful. What happened, Lord? Over the past week, I have had a strong sense in me of encouragement from the heart of God for those who have been holding on to prophetic words or these promises from the Lord standing in faith, and so far their experience has not lined up with what the Lord spoke over the over the season or situation. As I pressed into the Lord, I heard the whisper of His heart. It's not over yet. For those of you who have been feeling discouraged or perplexed with how things look right now or your experience with the season you are in thus far, I want to encourage you Do not lose hope. Keep your hopes up. For the Lord is orchestrating a major breakthrough on your behalf. The Lord is working behind the scenes and you are going to see a powerful demonstration of the faithfulness of God. Many have been wondering, have I missed it? Did I not align myself with the Lord or with the word of the Lord as much as I should have? Have I allowed the enemy to steal from me again or distract me? And I heard the Lord say, you are about to get back up again. You are about to stand tall again. You are about to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Psalm twenty-seven, thirteen. 
It is not over. In fact, the goodness of God is about to overtake your season, overtake your land, and overtake your circumstances. Father, I read this into the court as evidence because we stand in agreement of this word over everyone here, over everybody in ignition. We stand this over Carson and every warrior. Don't get trapped in the quicksand of discouragement, despair, or condemnation. Know that the Lord is moving powerfully on your behalf. And you are about to see some huge, divine surprises. The Lord showed me many have been feeling like time is running out. That it's all over. Or it's coming close to the end. Where things are just not going to change. I want to encourage you that the hand of the Lord is about to move in power. And everything is about to change. Keep your hopes up. Keep your faith strong. Keep your hope and trust in the Lord. Because He is about to pour in more into your life than you can imagine. You are about to see the words He has spoken to you are true. And it is not too late. You are about to see an explosion of the abundance of God in your life in greater ways. Don't believe the lie that you are coming out short. You are not coming out short. You are going to come out with a testimony of significant turnaround. Significant shift. But most of all, a significant testimony of the goodness, faithfulness, and kindness of Jesus. The more is being poured out. At midnight, I heard the Lord say, I've saved the best to last. The more is being poured out at midnight. Just when you thought it wasn't going to change, just when you thought it was over, just when you thought it couldn't turn around, just when you thought you had to settle with the status quo and how it has been, you are going to see a powerful demonstration of the power of God releasing the more that he wants to give you and it's coming in the midnight hour it's not a time to be downhearted discouraged and despaired it's a time to be encouraged rejoice and stand on the word of God and who you know Jesus to be his faithfulness Feast on your history with Him and who He is because it's not over yet. You're about to see a significant turnaround and shift by the power of His shift, power of His Spirit, ushering in the fulfillment of words He has spoken to you, but more than you imagined. You're not coming out short. You're coming out with more. Don't put these words down that he has spoken. These promises, these prophecies. Keep holding them. Saturate yourself in them. Meditate upon them. Feast upon them. They are about to come into manifestation for many. 
if you've laid down your life, if you've laid down your words for what God has said to you about this season, pick them up again and watch and see what He is about to do. The more is being poured out at midnight, and it will not be by your strength or might, but by the power of His Spirit, says the Lord. Zechariah 4.6 Father, let it be so. I declare in your courts we stand in agreement of this word. Search our hearts, O God, know us. Show us anything that comes in the way of your will. But as we stand clean before you, Father, ignite that fire that not only spreads your glory, but literally consumes the enemy. We worship you, Lord. We worship you. There is a cost to being all in. We've talked about this before. There's a cost to wanting God in your life. Many of you know that cost. Many of you have paid a dear price to have Him be everything in your life. Do you understand that that's that's not an abnormality? That is a requirement. I remember the words of David when after he had sinned and and he he was he was given this land to to build this altar and and he was the, the owner said no you could just have it and David said no. He said I will never sacrifice something that cost me nothing. You want God's will for your life. You want his perfect will for your life. What are you willing to give for that? I can promise you, it will cost you everything. And, and I know that comes across negative. I know Alexa said every time I talk about the cost, she said, but, but you got it, you got to tell them the benefits. <laughs> it may cost you everything, but it just bought you everything plus. Do you know that all the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, (coughs) patience, tenderness, meekness, all the fruits of the Spirit are not obtained without cost. We wonder why we walk through life without peace. Well, Well, God, you promised peace. As a matter of fact, Lord, you said that it'd be peace that doesn't make any sense. A greater peace that makes no sense in the midst of turmoil. You promised that. Why am I not in that? Why can I not walk in that peace? See, oftentimes it's not a life shift. It's a paradigm shift. It's a thought shift. It's, I want you and your ways, not me and my ways. And I know in in so many ways I'm preaching to the choir in this. 
Because you've given up over the last three and a half years. You've, many have given up everything. Or certainly been willing to give up everything. But oftentimes, even when we physically give up, we don't walk in the paradigm of his peace. We don't walk in the understanding that because I gave up everything, because I have relationship with Jesus Christ, because I've done these things, I have a right. Do you understand? I have a right to walk in his peace. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that I'm taking that right from Jesus Christ. It means I'm taking it from Satan. Because Satan is the one who wants to take that right away from me. What he brought on me this morning in just this stress. He wants to remove that peace. I declare he can't. He's not allowed. Why can I say that? Because I'm the one that decides for me. I'm the one that decides. Am I going to trust God and trust His promises? Even though, circumstantially, I'm moving through difficult situations. See, it didn't end with the fast. It began with the fast. With the fast, it might have been trouble with being hungry. That's kind of an easy one to deal with. How about the one where God says, take a step, and it's nothing but black. You don't know where your foot's going to land. But he said, I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me that when, you're, when your foot lands and where I am guiding it and telling it to go, you're going to be able to see, and it'll be on firm ground. See, that's what he wants. He wants us to trust Him when there's no reason to trust Him. We're a church in a house. We're a church in a house that's been prophesied to literally change the world. That sounds crazy. Boy, that, that's not just taking a step into black where you can't see anything. That's just diving head first. And praying that there's no floor. <laughs> right? That, that's just total trust. And like Lana said, have, have you set those promises aside? Many of you, most of you have heard prophecies over your own life that, that fits into that calling. Have you set those prophecies aside? Have you set aside what the Lord has told you He wants to do in your life? I, I, I double down on what Lana said, and I want to encourage you, don't. In fact, take them back out. If you got them in a journal somewhere, print them out, put them on your mirror, and say, I believe God's Word. If you don't have any, any specific prophecies that have been over you, understand the Word of God applies to you. When it said, thou wilt be in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. That is a promise to a person who knows Jesus Christ in relationship. It's a promise. Post it up there. 
Take those little yellow stickies. Write a verse on it. Post it up there. Lexi's got them all over our bathroom. <laughs> right? I think it, I think it, didn't Bren do like a whole wall mural with it? Yeah. Do that. Claim the promises. Promise means nothing until you claim it. Until you take it. But understand that there's a cost. There's a cost and that cost is because the enemy does not want you to claim it. Last thing he wants is this church. Are you individually fulfilling what God has for your life? I want to read in Luke chapter 14. Turn to Luke chapter 14. Because God never wants anybody to step into anything without understanding, first of all, who He is and what He promises. And the cost of what that means. Luke chapter 14, we're going to start at verse 25. Now great crowds accompanied Him, Jesus. And He turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brother and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now let's stop there for a second. If you stop there, don't go any further in searching out the scriptures. You're going to be really confused. Because you're going to think, Okay, wait a second. I'm supposed to hate people? I'm supposed to hate everybody around me? I'm supposed to hate my wife? I'm supposed to hate my parents? I'm supposed to hate my children? No, see, something you need to understand is the very thing that Jesus said when the disciples came up to him and said, your, your, your mother and your brothers and sisters are, are at the door. They're asking for you. What was his response? See, a normal person like us would have said, oh, well, tell them I'm not done or tell them I'll be back at nine, whatever. He said, tell them to wait a little bit. That's not what he said. He said, who are my brothers and sisters? Who is my mother? He said, those who follow me. See, he was pointing out a family dynamic that was greater than what we have here, here on earth. He wasn't diminishing his mother and his brothers and sisters. Understand that. He was including them in it. But your family is bigger than your family. Our family is bigger than our family. Our family is bigger than this church here in this, in this living room. And what Jesus said is if you don't put me first, if you don't put me above your mother, your father, your children, your, your spouse, then you've already missed the boat. Verse 27. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. What does that mean? means you're not called to bear His cross. He already did that. 
You can't take His cross and go to the grave to die for people's sins. He already did that. It only needed to be done once. And it was done by the Son of God. What He said is, you cannot come and be His disciple if you do not bear your own cross. What does that mean? That means God's will for your life. You cannot effectively follow Him. You cannot effectively have relationship with Him if you do not bear the burden. Get this. I know I'm negative. Sorry. You cannot be close to Him without bearing the burden of your own cross. Of your own calling. Read the Gospels. Understand Jesus Christ's life. Well, you look at it and you think, well, yeah, he had this tremendous burden. I mean, he literally died for everybody's sins and rose again. And and that's what we think of. We think of his teaching and stuff like that. But I, I encourage you, read through the Gospels and look at the joy. Look at the joy in his life. Look at the peace in his life. Look what he brought so many people, not just in his death, but in his life. See, so the burden is filled with joy. It's filled with peace. I don't think Jesus walked around, I'm going to die for these people. (laughs) Just going to do it because I'm going to be obedient, but really don't want to do it. You know, half of them aren't even worth it. Think he did that? No. No. He said, as long as I am alive, I am going to show you what the peace of God is. I'm going to show you what the joy of my Father is. I'm going to show you by my own testimony what it means to be in the Father. And the Father is in me. And then when it's time to die, I'll be obedient. Even though he said he didn't want to. Even though he said the night before he went to the cross, he said, Lord, if there be any way that this cup can pass before me, yet not my will, but yours be done. And that's what he wanted, ultimately. He just wanted God's will, and he wanted God's will because he wanted you to be able to see the relationship he had with the Father. Then he told his disciples later, he said, this same relationship that I have with the Father, you can have with the Father too. This is after he ascended into heaven, or after he rose from the grave, before he ascended into heaven. He said, you can have it too. Why? Because Jesus paved the way for it. He said, if you are in me, so if we are in Jesus Christ, And Christ is in the Father, and the Father is in Him. Therefore, we are in the Father. Does that blow you away? If it doesn't, you're not getting it. You need to get it. You can have relationship with the Father. You can have relationship with God. You can have relationship with that one who sits on the throne, who judges a righteous judgment in the courts. I don't know about you, but 
If you wanted to get something done in the world today, and you happen to have a judge that was your best friend, wouldn't you want to go to his court? (laughs) Especially if your best friend is his son, and he sits at his right hand and speaks to him all the time. Sure. Do you know you have that opportunity? Do you know heaven is set up as a court? When you start getting this paradigm of what the court system is in heaven, and you start reading the Word of God, you think, wow, how did I miss that? Because all throughout the Word of God, you'll begin to see His court. And that's where the Father sits. See, the law did not end. It was fulfilled. But it did not end. God the Father, He judges righteously according to the law. But then in the law, when Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the grave, there was a new covenant established. I think... It's, uh, turn to 2 Corinthians 3. Verse 5. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us. This is Paul speaking. Um, it, you know, it's, it's his second letter to the Corinthians. Um, and, and he's saying, not that any of this is coming from us personally, okay, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, okay, which means not of the letter of the law, the Bible says that that everything in the law will be fulfilled, every down to every jot and tittle. Which means basically like when we cross a T or we dot an I. That, that's, it's, and I think it's yacht and tittle, right? Okay. That's down to every little piece like that of the law. It will be fulfilled. But Paul says here, we're ministers of a new covenant, covenant, not of the letter of this law, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Don't assume that the law was put there to produce righteousness. It never was, because it can't. The law produces death. That's a tough word. Sorry for the legalistic people. The law produces death. It was intended to do so. That's why God said that until Moses was given the law, they were not held accountable to the letter of the law until it was given. They were held accountable to believing in a coming Messiah because that was already given. That's given in Genesis 1 or Genesis 3, sorry. They were held accountable to believe in that. But they were not accountable to the law until the law was given. Why was the law given? To show the depravity of man. 
Because nobody, nobody could withhold the law. If you, if you sinned in one part, you were guilty of all. That's why it was put forth. It was literally put forth to show us that we needed a new covenant. That we needed a savior. That we needed somebody who, who could righteously take that on. Which, by the way, could only be God himself. He took on that law. He fulfilled that law because he gave his life as a sinless human being. The Son of God became man by choice. He became man by choice. Inserted himself into his own creation by choice. Limited himself by choice. So that through obedience he could live a perfect sinless life. Only to offer that life on the cross for you and for me. That's why it became a new covenant. Because we cannot live according to the law. Because the law does not bring salvation. It brings death. Because we could not do that, Jesus Christ took on the law for us, fulfilled it perfectly, and then paid the price for us. Do you get that? That's why he had to die. He didn't have to die because the law forced him to die. He lived perfectly. He lived perfectly according to the law. He deserved no death. So the the death that he went on the cross for us, he paid that price for us. So that by choosing that, It says here, not the letter of the law, but the Spirit. Now here's where Christians get in trouble. They like to receive His grace of a new covenant and then still live according to the law because they could control it. Or they can control what it looks like. Shame on those churches that do that. And I speak my words very carefully. Shame on those churches that do that. Because His grace paid the price for us to live real with Him. To have relationship with Him. Not to live by a list that we can't live by anyways. Well, I've, I've been involved in a lot of church administrations and, and even going back to legalist days and stuff like that. And I'll tell you what, how sad it is that to be a parishioner in the church or, or just a, you know, a normal person, that's a good legalistic word, isn't it? <laughs> to, to be just a church goer versus being somebody in with the administration is two different things. It's two different paradigms. Well, you know, this is how we really operate. You know, we, we kind of do this here and do it, but we don't let the church know. And I'm not just talking about sin, because with sin, that becomes rampant also. If you're trying to live your life by the law, I guarantee you sin will creep in. 
I guarantee it. Why? Because that's why the law was put there. The law was put there to literally force that choice. And of course it's going to come in. Because we don't have the strength to stop it. If we're not linked in relationship with Jesus Christ, we can't stop it. But when we have a relationship with Him, then we can. Because it's in the, the Spirit. It said here, not the letter of the law, but by the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Man, you could go before the Lord and you could say, forgive me. Forgive me. Please forgive me. What does the Bible say? See you next Tuesday. We'll talk about it. No. He said, of course I forgive you. And guess what? I forget it as well. Who doesn't forget? Us. Who else doesn't forget? Satan. He's the one that comes back around full circle and say, wait a second. No, 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 no. No, remember when? That's where you turn to him and say, I do, but my God doesn't. Because I've been forgiven. I've been cleansed and I have relationship with the one who cleansed me. And there's power in that. That's when, that's the moment. When you start developing a paradigm of a warrior, do you know so much of Christianity is receptive? Well, I just got to kind of receive the blows that the world gives me. And I just got to trudge through it, make it through it. And, and if I make it through it, then there's a crown on the other side. Baloney. Show me where it says that in the Word of God. You're fooling yourself if you think that's the case. That you just have to live in this certain way and just kind of take the blows. I'm sorry, but that's what the church has done for millennia. Since it started almost. Or, or just a couple of hundred years. You start to see the church change some 250 years after it started. So literally, for almost 2,000 years, Satan has been able to work it into the church to just take it. And we don't have to. Remember who your friend is. Remember who you have relationship with. Not, not somebody who can destroy Satan. Somebody who already has. It said, he, it, Satan may have bruised his heel, but he crushed Satan's head. You know how I look at I love that scripture. Because I really look at it like, if you stomp something so hard that it crushes the very life out of it, it's going to hurt your heel a little bit. Right? See, so I, I don't even look at it like Satan got him first and, and then he turned around and crushed him. I think he crushed Satan so hard, it hurt his heel. Amen. Amen. <laughs> you know, unless you're wearing shoes, which they didn't, you know, probably scrape some skin off or something. Right? See, you have that friend available to you. Problem is, 
You can't see him like the person sitting next to you. And that's why it's tough. That's why it requires faith. But I'm promising you something. If you give him your yes and just say, I will step in this relationship, even though I can't see you, even though I can't hear you, I trust you, I trust your word, and this is what your word says for me to do, I'll step, and when you do, and as you begin to step further and further, all of a sudden, that still small voice gets louder. Your sight begins to open up. You start to see that the very reality of him being your best friend being there is more real than the people around you. Don't you think that's what Jesus was saying when he said, who are my brothers and my sisters? He said, it's, it's those who are tied by the Father through the Son. So when you step into this relationship with him, you step into a pretty huge family. You really do. You can ask anybody here. We're family here. I mean, I have full expectation that this truck, in, in fact, Father, I, I claim that new engine thing that, that Jeff talked about. <laughs> new engine was zero miles. That would be awesome. In fact, Lord, if you want to put a 7.3 diesel in there, even better. <laughs> right? We'd enjoy that one better. Now, God, what he wants to do in your life has a simple requirement. That simple requirement is everything. Everything. He wants everything. He will give you everything times a thousand. But he wants everything of you. He wants everything. That's the cost of worshiping Him. I want to go back to Luke 14, and we're just about done. Verse, four, verse 28 says, For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and it's not able, he's not able to finish, all who see him begin to mock him. Last week we talked about being a builder. Are you a builder? Well, yeah, I used to be a builder. Okay, that's not what he's talking about. Are you a builder? Are you a kingdom builder? <coughs> see, in order to be a kingdom builder, you have to have relationships. You have to be willing to count the cost of what that means. You have to understand that your calling is to be a warrior. And when you are called to be a warrior, there is a training process. It, it, it means you're on the battlefield. Right? When you're being trained to be a warrior, you go through simulated warfare, but then you end up on the battlefield. And it's much like, I believe, much like the difference between college and what I call real life. 
Okay, in college, I learned all about business and marketing, only to realize that I hadn't learned anything at all, really, because the reality of the street, you know, the business world, was so different. College was really all college said, and and I am not diminishing college. Please understand. But what college really did was tell my employer that I am willing to learn. That I have a capacity to receive and apply. See, that's all Jesus needs. That you have a capacity to receive and apply. It's not that, well, you know what? I should have finished college in four years and it took me eight. Which, by the way, it didn't. Took me five though. <laughs> Although I stayed out a year. So it's not the parameters you put on yourself. It's the understanding of what God's putting in your steps and saying, Yes, Lord, I'll do it. He's calling you to be a warrior. Notice I didn't say if He called you to be a warrior. It's because if you are a Christian, you are called. To be a warrior. You're called to be a warrior. So when you step in that. And you step onto the battlefield. And and you. You don't know how you're going to get through it. Because. All of a sudden you're, you're, you're at a part of the battlefield. Where you find yourself alone. You, you find yourself fighting. You know all around. It and you're not sure how you're going to have the strength to, to keep up. Then all of a sudden, Lord sends you somebody. They come and they grab your hand. They say, I'll fight this with you. Can you imagine the enemy's face right at that point? It's like, I thought I had him. No, that stinking church got together again. <laughs> yeah. And, and they, they did this thing. It's, it's, it's called worship. And it just irritates me. God loves that. God loves it when we come to each other's aid because it is a warrior coming to a warrior's aid to build warriors. That's what he's building here. I'm proud to be a part of that. I am proud that that God would allow me to be a part of that. To be a part of being a warrior for him. And I'll tell you what. Man, we have not even scratched the surface. Not even close. You have to take seriously when he said, I want you to change the world. What, what, if, what if I were to sit down with you individually and, and I would tell you, God wants you to change this world. That would be a little overwhelming. Okay. Where do I start? Start with you. Start with you. Because you're the one that you can control. can't control anybody else. You can control you. And then when you give your heart to him, and you develop a relationship with him, now all of a sudden, he can influence others through you. Because all of us have influence over somebody. Or, I should say, with somebody. We have influence with people. 
So when he can use us, it's not our influence anymore. It's his. And then that person has the choice, and, and then they choose relationship with Christ, and the same thing happens with them. And it's, it's, this, it's this huge multi-level marketing scheme. <laughs> you ever wonder if multi-level marketing is the most powerful? I know this because I went to college. <laughs> All right? It is the most powerful marketing scheme, or whatever you want to call it, in history. Okay, awesome. And, and by the way, that's correct. Where do you think it came from? It came from the Word of God. It came from Jesus. Because if you tell two friends, and they get saved, and they tell two friends, and they get saved, and they tell two friends, now all of a sudden you had influence over so many people. Why? Because God just used your little influence right here in Newark, Delaware. All of a sudden, your influence is changing the world. That's what he's doing right here. Don't let the enemy tell you any differently. Stand up and fight. If you're overwhelmed in a fight, then call in reinforcements. Because people fight with you. We all will. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you so much. We thank you, God. And... We declare that we are all in. We are all in to your plan. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy, Father. We thank you that your love for us is so great. Father, I pray that you penetrate the hearts of each person here this morning. Help them to evaluate where they are with you they even know you. Or if they know you and have never understood or had relationship with you. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I don't want anybody looking around. But I just want to ask you, this relationship that we talk about with Jesus Christ, it begins with accepting him, with knowing who he is and, and accepting him into our hearts. I just want to give an opportunity. If, if you cannot remember in your life a specific time where you asked the Lord Jesus Christ to come into your heart and to be your Savior, if you don't remember a specific time doing that without anybody looking around, will you raise your hand? Nobody will see it but me. Is there anyone? That salvation is so easy. It's simply believing who Jesus is. Believing that he died and rose again and even now sits at the right hand of the Father. It's asking him into your heart to be your Savior. That simply begins the process of relationship. Now those of you, as you're evaluating your relationship before Him, what choices have you made to go after Him? See, He wants you. He wants your friendship. He wants your time. Greatest thing you could give Him is your time. 
He wants your time. He wants to be a part of your life, a part of every piece of your life, because he wants to make each of those pieces better. So, Father, I pray a blessing over the relationships of each of these people in here with you. I pray, Lord, that you reveal, as Lana did, that you open up this flood of revealing what you have, what you have for us, what you have for each one. Father, we love you, we thank you, and praise you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Such a good message today. Um, you've been hearing a lot about. Is, that, oh, is that, it on you? Is, the other is one, it the other one? This one here? Yeah, oh. sorry. I grabbed the wrong one. Been hearing a lot about the giving God your yes. And um, the only thing that I, I wanted us to say before we give announcements is. Um, you know, sometimes we look at the yes of the overview of our lives as like at 30,000 feet, way up high, and we just think there's this one-time decision that we make, and that's the yes of our life to God. But it actually doesn't work that way. It starts in little tiny bite-sized pieces. Um, you know, if you were to look at the food you consume in a year, it, it would be overwhelming. But that got consumed because each bite, you took each bite one step at a time, one day at a time, you know, and, and that's what accumulates that. I want to tell you... Um, one of the things that um, brings our yes to a place of life-transforming um, change in our lives is by listening to God's voice and saying yes to him. But you got to listen to God's voice. And uh, I'm going to tell you a mistake that I made um, that I don't feel any condemnation over, but it, it, was, it proved to be a painful and powerful lesson in how important it is to hear the voice of God. Um, I was invited Friday to a, um, to a special lunch gathering from, um, I train at a gym and the, the members there, I've done this, you know, once a year or maybe twice a year, but it's new. And they were going to present the, uh, the trainers with a special certificate. And so I, I went and something started to hit me the morning that I got up. It was, it was Friday morning. And I, things changed because I wanted, Greg had committed to go with me, but then he forgot he had another commitment, and that threw me a little bit, so I ended up taking Yvonne with me, and, and I thought, you know, I could go by myself, but the weird, unsettling stuff started coming against me, and I've already been made aware by the Lord very clearly that there is direct witchcraft coming against me from someone in the group, maybe even more than one, um, that I've been warring in the spirit over, but, but I go to the luncheon, and I, I, just if you've ever been in a situation where you kind of this weird insecurity or paranoia kind of hits you and you don't feel quite like you're on your game, if you will. So I, I, I prayed the whole way there because I always pray in my car. But when I got into the restaurant, um, the distractions that came against me, I, I was sitting there and I, I felt the Holy Spirit say, be ready to pray. And I even had a desire in my heart to, to pray. And, and I'm, what, I, what I know that he meant for me to, to do is to pray out loud because it was like he was trying to nudge me like, you're going to be asked to pray. 
And so, but I, it was a fleeting thought and then I got distracted again. And then I realized that they were going to do the bill together and I was supposed to bring cash and I didn't bring enough. I only brought enough for the tip. And it was just like a series of little tiny, awkward things. One of the ladies was like, Oh, I'll take care of it. You can pay me tomorrow. And you know, and, and normally those things wouldn't be a big deal, but there was just this gnawing something coming at me. Well, after we finished eating and they had done some acknowledgments, there was a little bit of a lull and I'm sure it was for dessert, but that my mind wasn't even there because the Lord had allowed me to eat when I went there. So I just had a little teeny tiny thing of broccoli and whatever. And I thought they're going to eat dessert. Well, the nervousness of distraction got me to where, okay, I, I've been here an hour and a half. I, I just, I just need to go. I, I, the traffic is getting heavy. I just started reasoning in my own understanding that I just needed to go. And I didn't just stop and just be at peace and say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? What's going on here? I pray against it. I could have gone in the bathroom and bound the spirits in the room. Everything that came against me threw me off. So I said my goodbyes. And as I left, one of the organizers, the, the ladies that organized it, who's a, who's a Christian woman, she, she kind of looked at me with this look of, oh, okay, well, okay, goodbye. And I, I had even a, more of a squeeze in my spirit that I shouldn't be leaving. But now I thought, oh, it's too late, and I'm just going to go. I got home, and I told Greg, oh, I said, this just it was, something wasn't, wasn't right. It wasn't right. It wasn't right. Well, I knew I should have stayed, and I should have prayed. And as I reflected back, the Lord even gave me some specific things that I should have prayed over. If you've ever had that happen and you've had that regret, you don't always know the consequences of times when you don't obey the Lord. And the simplest things, you don't hear his voice and heed his voice. And the power that rests upon you when you let the Holy Spirit do his job. I get to the gym the next morning and the other organizer came up to me. She said, oh, Alexis, she said, I needed to tell you. She said, you know, you ended up leaving so soon. She said, you know, we were going to ask you to close in prayer. Now, she did not know what she was saying fully. I knew it, and it crushed me so much. I, I thought, oh, I can't even begin this class. She said, you, you left in prayer, she said, and, and one of the ladies was walking out of the restaurant, and she tripped and did a face plant. She broke her nose. She broke her teeth. She ripped her lip. It was just hanging there. She said she had to go to the ER for 12 hours. And I knew, I knew that was because I didn't pray. I knew that was. And I knew I had to shake off condemnation because I'd already confessed it. But I thought, Lord, what do I do? What do, what do I do with this? And, and after speaking with Greg and just processing and praying, it's don't do it again. Yeah. Don't do it again. Learn from this. When I tell you to speak, I don't care how awkward you're feeling. I don't care how paranoid you are. I don't care if nobody's sitting next to you and being nice to you. Stay. Do my will. Because there are consequences when you don't say yes to me, even in the smallest ways. And man, I hated having to learn that. But I'm thankful that, that God taught me in a jarring way. Because that is the essence of giving your yes to God. That is the essence. It's not the big yes and the okay, oh, it's all great. I'm God, my life is yours. Is our life his in the smallest ways? When you leave here now. What you, the next choices you make, the next time, if you have an opportunity to schedule your job, to coordinate your social life, will God be first? Will God take precedence over various things? Will he come first with sacrifice, even when you're stepping into that black pit of void, like Greg talked about? So think about that. We've all made mistakes like that, but God allowed me to see a direct consequence of my 
choosing to get in my head and not be in the spirit. And it was devastating. And um, so I, I want to say I hope that encourages you, but I hope that challenges you because uh, it's, it's just so important. Thank you for such a good message today.